and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little about building up new farm ground. So basically, taking soil that you just picked up and improving it. If you've got any questions for us about that or anything that's going on in your farm, you can certainly give us a call, 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can also find us on email, or find us on Twitter, I should say, AgPHD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty, and you can send us an email if you would like to, radio at agphd.com. We're going to get to the AgPHD mailbag in just a minute. Uh, before we do, I would just say we have a fair amount of experience with this whole building up new farm ground thing. So in the last 20 years, I mean, every time we buy a new piece of ground, we try different things and see, okay, what's, what's working, what's not, how long does it take to make this ground really successful and that kind of thing. Well, anyway, I would just say when we buy new ground now, first thing I'm always looking at is dirt work and or tile. We got to make sure the drainage is good. Otherwise, Everything else we do on the farm is not going to pan out nearly as well. So we got to take care of drainage first. And like I say, any dirt work, I mean, a lot of times they're just, there are things that need to be cleaned up. So whether it was just ruts, whether it was uh, something's not draining off properly, uh, a bunch of things built up in the fence line, I mean, whatever it is, we, we got to fix all those things. And we try to do that right away. And then number two, it's fertility. And quite frankly, I was uh, when we were doing our soils clinic last week, I just had said, look, I know ground's expensive, but when you look at it, I just quite frankly, when we pick up that ground, we immediately tile, we immediately and do some dirt work, and we immediately put on whatever we need for fertility to get it up to my or Darren's goals with fertility. So it might cost us $400 in fertilizer, $500 in fertilizer year one. I just look at that as, well, that's a long-term investment. I don't expect I'm going to get all that money back in year one. Why would I if I'm putting out a lot of phosphorus or potassium if my soil was completely deficient? Same thing with zinc and copper and a bunch of these nutrients that are going to stay there in our heavy soil forever until we use them up. So anyway... Uh, we'll talk throughout the day about building up new farm ground, and and I would just say too, things are a little different for Darren and me now than when we were young. So when we were young and had no money, it was like, okay, we're going to be in a ten-year build program. Today we're on about a ten-minute build program. So all depends on your situation. A lot of ways to handle things. We can talk through the pluses and minuses, uh, but anyway, we'll get to that throughout the show. But right now, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. First question comes from Kevin in Wisconsin, and Kevin also sent some soil tests along. He said, thank you guys for what you do. Uh, I want to try to improve this ground and shoot for 250 bushel corn and 80 bushel soybeans. Now, uh, I've got 1% base saturation K and only about 80 parts per million. So clearly that's a great spot to start. I'm wondering, would I be correct if I applied 650 pounds of potash? I want to get to 4%. And then after that, would you worry at all about the magnesium base saturation around 24%? I've got a 15 CEC. Um, No, I would not worry that much about the magnesium at 24% for a while. Let's, Let's take care of all the other things we need to fix and then go from there. So the first thing that I'm going to look at is, yeah, we've got 
low K, but fortunately we only have what I would what we would call a medium textured soil, 15 CEC. So it doesn't take all that much K to get that that potassium from 1% to 4%. And yeah, I haven't run the math, but it sounds like your number is is roughly correct. And a lot of these things on the farm, quite frankly, are trial and error. So get yourself close and then let's just see how it pans out in a year or so. And if you need to put a little more on, fine. But um, I, I guess the next thing, honestly, I'm, I'm focused on is not the magnesium. It's your phosphorus levels aren't terrible on average 50 parts per million, but you got some low areas. I'm going to, I'm going to look at zinc because on our farm, we've shown, Hey, if we keep that ratio around 10 to one or so, we're in better shape than if the ratio gets out of whack. So as you raise your phosphorus, you're probably going to need to raise your zinc just a little bit. Your sulfate's one or two parts per million. Your boron is less than a part per million. I mean, those are other things where I go, okay, I'm going to invest a few dollars there. I don't have to get carried away or anything, but um, I, I just, I, I want to work on all that stuff. Now, the other thing that I would say is with your big rate of K that you're talking about, <laughs> our topic today is building up new farm ground. So we have done it both ways. In, in other words, we put on one big shot at one time. I like that. But we've also spread it out over two or three years, and that's actually worked out pretty well, too. So whatever you decide to do, just understand you have to be in a build program for K. And until you get that K up to at least 4% or more, you're still at a lot of risk for lodging. It's not just about yield and grain quality. We also have to think about standability out there, too. All right. Thanks for the question. I uh, get this one in from Kendall. And... Kendall wants to ask about alfalfa. For pre-emerge on alfalfa, can Eptam be used after spreading compost and then incorporating both of them immediately? Yes. Yep, sure can. Yeah, though it's one of the things with Eptam, you, you just have to till it in. But man, as far as pre-emerge products on alfalfa goes, that's, that's when the place we, we like to start. Yes, and when we say pre-emerge, we mean pre-plant incorporated. It has to be pre-plant incorporated. Eptam does. If you don't incorporate it right away, it's going to start evaporating on you almost immediately. All right, got a question from Mike, and I think we may have answered this one, but it came in on Friday, so maybe we missed it. Uh, Mike said, I, I was watching Naturals presentation, and uh, I... I saw that putting some naturals, like Pivot Bios product, for example, with zinc and copper, uh, certain forms of those micros can kill or degrade the product. I'm using a yep. couple of quarts of Micro 500 from Agro Liquid. Just curious if that's safe. Okay, you, so we, what we have found so far in our testing, and because I would just preface this by saying we haven't, I don't know that we've tested every pro, we haven't tested every natural product out there. But like AgriLiquid Zinc and a lot of other companies, Zinc, pretty good. Just be really careful because we've had Zinc Citrate and Ammoniated Zinc absolutely destroy the biologicals almost immediately. So just be careful. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt Herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at TrivoltInAction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. 
This season, get medieval on Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia fungicide from Valent USA. Here to shield your sugar beets from the treachery of Rhizoctonia, Excalia delivers excellent staying power, keeping your sugar beets from being conquered. Stay one step ahead of Rhizoctonia with the powerful protection of Excalia. Ask your retailer or visit valent.com slash Excalia to learn more. Always read and follow legal instructions. How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Your crop deserves the best, not just a contender. Choose a Champ brand fungicide from New Farm for proven performance in the formula you prefer. Champ Formula 2 Flowable offers exceptional mixing and stability in a liquid copper. Champ Ion comes supercharged for superior coverage in a dry formulation. Any way you turn, New Farm has the copper solution you can win with. Put a Champ in your corner at newfarm.com slash uscrop. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And our topic is one of my favorites, building up new farm ground. You just picked up a piece of ground. Maybe it's in great shape. Odds are there's some things you could do to improve. And that's always the question. Where do we spend the first dollars as, as we're trying to improve some new ground? Because unfortunately, ground isn't coming cheap. So you've already spent a bunch of money just to get the ground in the first place. So I guess we'll... Uh, We'll be open all day. Our phone lines will be open 844-44-AG-PHD to hear your ideas on this, maybe your strategies on it if you want to share some. And uh, we'll also talk to farmers around the country to see uh, what they're what they're thinking. Our first guest here is Brett down in Kansas. Brett, thanks for joining us today. No problem. Glad to be on. You know, a lot of times people will say their best piece of ground is one that's been in the family for a while. I don't ever hear people say, you know, I just picked up a new piece of ground. Man, that's the best one on my farm. I wish it worked that way. Yeah, Dad always tells me uh, there's a reason you got to rent that ground. So, uh. <laughs> Yes. Well, okay, and that does bring up something, too. Renting ground versus owned ground, of course, that does get treated a little bit different when you know you're going to have it for a long term. Do you, do you look for long-term rental agreements to do kind of the same thing? So, you know, I do. Um, I try and get a five-year agreement with my landlord. Um, I've got all but that now currently. Um, I have got one three-year, but everything that I rent is currently on a five-year. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so say you say that you purchased a new piece of ground. Where do you start in your part of Kansas? What are what are the big things that you say, man? Here, this is what's wrong, and and often what we have to fix first. So first and foremost, you know, I'll get a soil test taken, so I know exactly what's out there and what I need to fix. Um, but knowing my dirt here locally, I'm actually fortunate enough. I live right by a 65,000 head beef feedlot operation. So the first thing I always do is I put manure out. That's always my first and foremost. Um, then with our soils, we have high mag soils. So I will then start applying a fair amount of sulfur to correct that magnesium issue. That's number one and number two. 
how high is too high in your area? Because obviously if you've got something that's really high, you're probably not going to get it uh, down right where you want it immediately. But uh, is there kind of a, hey, if I'm at 20%, 25%, I'm okay for now. I'm going to focus on other stuff or where, where's that trigger? So currently that's about where we sit. Our soils are about a 69% calcium, 22 to 25 magnesium. We're fortunate enough to have a high potassium soil. A lot of ours are 7 to 10. And then uh, we'll have zero hydrogen because we actually are above neutral pH. Um, so that's where our soil typically starts. And then we'll, we'll apply sulfur in hopes to get that magnesium down to about 15 is the goal, 12 to 15. And you can do that over a five-year period? Or what do you, what do you see? I know it depends it, on rainfall and a lot of things. Correct. Um, you know, ultimately how much sulfur you want to put out. Um, what do we do? Every gallon of fer- we are a hundred percent liquid fertilizer program. I should say that. Um, and every gallon of nitrogen we put out is in the form of twenty-eight double O five um, to get that sulfur piece in there. So over the course of the five-year period, we might drop it one, maybe two percent, because we've got a you know about an eighteen cec soil, and of course, depending on rainfall, you know how fast it's going to react. Then sure. Sure. Yeah, that's the that's the challenge uh, when we're in dry country. I know we get the same issue here. We've just come out of well, hopefully we're coming out of two and a half years of drought where we, where we actually get some moisture. I know Brian and I were talking about man, there's still dry fertilizer pellets that got spread two years ago. Uh, that, that doesn't <laughs> yeah. do you a whole lot of good. And like you mentioned with liquid, you aren't going to see that at least. But uh, and heck, that's yep. probably one of the adjustments you've had to make in dry land farming. Yes, it is. You know, there's, I've got a fair amount of neighbors that still do, you know, dry broadcast, things like that. We've gone and have been in a liquid banding program since the late eighties, probably dad and grandpa started the liquid program then. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's interesting just the, uh, how those transitions go. Some stuff stays that, that, uh, parents and grandparents did. And, and of course, uh, I know you've changed a lot of things judging by the success and the yields you've been able to pull down there, Brett. We really, really look up to what you're doing. That's, that's fantastic. And thanks for being on the show today to share a little bit about it. Appreciate talking to you guys. You bet. Let's head down to Georgia. Uh, another up and comer here. We got Caleb on with us. Caleb, how you doing? I'm doing good there. And how are you doing? Good. Okay. So Brett said uh, 18 CEC soils over there in Kansas. I don't know what that would be. Would that be a gumbo soil in Georgia or what would you even do with that? <laughs> well, I don't think I've ever seen an 18 CEC in my part of Georgia. So uh, I, I can imagine how good that would be when it comes to holding nutrients. We're on about as sandy as you could possibly get. I was looking over some soil samples a day, and the CEC was between 1.0 and 1.8, so a little bit different on the spectrum there. Well, and that's part of this this whole discussion, building up new farm ground. Now, I know sometimes guys will say, well, Brian always says your ground's going to be frozen half the year, and you got this heavy ground <laughs> and organic matter. You can hold lots of stuff. I got sandy soil. So what do you do in the sandy soil? What do you focus on there? Well, of course, when it comes to picking up new farm ground, of course, first we need a good road map of knowing what we should apply to begin with. And I was thinking about one of the farms that I work with. Uh, they picked up a, a large tract of land just a few weeks ago. And while usually they would say, okay, let's do a large zone or large grid and get everything halfway right, and then we'll start fine-tuning it. As we're riding around, they said, you know what? This is the year, let's start off with small grids and get everything to the same playing level 
and then we'll go from there. And I was just looking at some soil samples, and in one field, we had a pH go from 4.7 all the way up to 8.1 in one field. And so we can imagine if we would have taken a composite sample and dumped all of that in a bag, well, the lab would have likely said we'd be, you know, 6.3, 6.5, and we would have we would have been fine with that. But being able to shrink our grid sizes when we're pulling those soil samples will help us to be more efficient with the fertilizer that we're applying and hopefully get our yields up going to the farm average really quickly. One thing I was thinking about, Caleb, down in your area where, where you're at, down in Georgia, down into Florida, and over maybe over into Alabama too. I'm not sure if you're reaching that far. But when, when you look at all the different crops that get grown in your region, are, are there some where growers, growers would say, okay, I've got some, some ground that I'm going to have to do some work on here. I'm going to start with this particular crop because it can handle the tough stuff. Is, do you have a rotation like that, or, or does it really vary depending on the grower? It can uh, vary on the area, and actually right now I am sitting in about central south Alabama. But as far as the crop goes, if we're truly picking up new ground that we're putting into cultivation, sometimes they might have to start with a crop where the harvest equipment stays off of the ground so they can go over certain obstacles if they're in the field. So something like starting with corn, then go into cotton, and then maybe soybeans a third year. But as far as our, our nutrient conversation there goes either corn peanuts cotton you know we can manage those a little bit differently uh, there's some nutrients that we need to focus on for each of them if we're going into new ground especially something that might have set out for a couple of years or this may even be the first crop on it how about pivots caleb and irrigation is that something that there's more opportunity for growth or is that something that's hard to get approvals on it's relatively easy depending on the area, and that's what usually a lot of your uh, established farms, once they pick up a new piece of ground, or even if they're looking at picking up a new piece of ground, the first thing they look for is, can we put in irrigation? How are we going to lay those things out? Because it may be a process to go through the approval process and then being able to purchase the equipment and install it. But, yes, uh, irrigation is a big deal for us here, especially with the new ground. All right. Now, you mentioned on the small grid seeing a pH down at 4 or 7, a pH up to 8, 1. I actually felt pretty good when you said that because I'm like, man, he could be talking about one of our fields too. I know. <laughs> I, I agree with you on that smaller grids, and I know there's a lot of growers out there that say, oh, boy, it costs a little bit of money. But, man, when you learn some of those things and can fix them sooner rather than later, uh, you're, you're just setting up that ground for success long term. Hey, Caleb, great talking hey. to you once again. I know you're super busy, and uh, hope you're having fun down in Alabama. Thanks for being on. Thanks. Thanks for the call. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're talking about building up new farm ground on today's program. And our phone lines are open if you'd like to share some of your secrets. 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. 
Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Officer Jones calling for backup. 10-4, location? Craver back 40. Looks like we've got Palmer Amaranth, Kosha, some common water hemp. Resistant weeds. Copy that. You'll need a good tank mix partner. I'm sending tough 5 EC. Come out with your hands up! Guys, we're surrounded. Crack down on repeat offenders. Add tough 5 EC to your post-emergence tank mix. Learn more at toughonweeds.com. Always read and follow label directions. Tough is a registered trademark of Belgian Crop Protection. Win the war against weeds in your soybean fields with fierce herbicides from Valent USA. With three different formulations and multiple modes of action, you're sure to find the right fierce product to protect your operation from tough weeds like Palmer Amaranth and Waterhemp. Give your soybeans a strong, clean start with up to eight weeks of residual control with the powerful pre-emergence protection of fierce herbicide. Ask your local retailer or visit valent.com fierce to find the right fierce formulation for you. Always read and follow label instructions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. If you've ever wondered how the Farmall got its name, here's an abbreviated list of the jobs the Case IH Farmall can do. Baling, cutting hay, feeding, hauling, loading, pulling, raking, cleaning barn, mixing feed, fertilizing, mowing, chopping, seeding, clearing, irrigating, furrowing, cultivating, hitching, digging, emergency tow, harrowing, hoisting, leading parades, excavating, grading. <sighs> Let's make it simple. This tractor does it all. So no matter what you're doing, can do comes in red. Farmall. Learn more at caseih.com farmall. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about building up new farm ground. What do you do when you pick up a new piece of ground? How do you try to get it to be productive, like some of the best ground that you're farming? It's different depending on where you're at, I'm sure, and we're we're anxious to learn. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head a little ways south here. We got Scott with us down in Kentucky. How you doing, Scott? Doing all right. How are you all doing? We're doing pretty good. So what what are you up to today? Well, I've been running errands primarily, but we are, right now we've got a planter in the shop that we have gone and converted to new electric units, um, hydraulic electric downforce, just rebuilding it. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's not cheap, but boy, it sure has looked to be a good investment with other growers out there. And is is that one of the things that you're looking at? That hey, you know what? We can do a better job. We have better equipment. 
Well, that's that's what we're thinking. I mean, we're wanting to go, and uh, you know, we we want to go and get get that seed in, put it right where it needs to be, and then be able to feed it and get it up, get it up and going. Um, we're we're starting to learn that stand is everything. You've got to get a stand before you can do anything else. Yeah, that is very important, no doubt about that. And we've been talking a lot about fertility issues and dirt work and that kind of stuff. But, man, if you can't put that seed where you want it to be and get it to come up, uh, we're, we're beating our head against the wall. Uh, talk to us about different crops, like in wheat. What do, what do you do to, to be successful there and get a good stand? And what kind of stand do you even look for? Oh, man, um, it's been a while since we've grown wheat. So I, I wouldn't be your best best source there. That, that's starting but to sound like I us, Scott. The corn, the corn and beans have been making us more money. <laughs> I don't know, Brian, one year had yeah. uh, a yield that would have put us up in the, amongst the contest winners, and he's like, I still couldn't afford to do it. I still uh, The dollars are just too heavy yeah. towards corn and beans right now. Well, that's, that's exactly where we are. We've got a piece of ground that we were five years into it now. Um, it's a new farm for us and, uh, kind of, it's, it's been one of those of what you all have been talking about, what you need to do. But we, uh, after we bought it, we tiled it, we've had, uh, we've done a lot of dirt work. We've cleaned it up, cleaned ditches up, got rid of some buildings. Um, you know, and then, then this year we went in. Uh, did made it took it to bug dust basically. Uh, worked it down, put wheat on it. Wheat come up really good, and okay, it, we're to the point now. Of what do we do? And we have about decided with prices and everything where they are. We're going to do better. We're going to burn the wheat down and plant beans on it, and I think we're going to be money ahead. Yeah, those are always tough choices, and you mentioned several things there, tiling, doing dirt work, cleaning out ditches, all those things that look like they cost a bunch of money and take a lot of time up front, but, man, they sure pay off for a, for a long time and, and help make farming more fun and, and easier to do out in fields. Yeah, I'm glad to hear, Scott, That's those are three of the big things that we end up doing up here in South Dakota, too. we we got to work on drainage and, and dirt work issues first and then kind of set ourselves up for the long term. Exactly. We... Um you know, we, we've got to go, and if you're going to pay what ground is costing now, uh, you need to go ahead and spend the money to make it the best it can possibly be at the very beginning. Just go ahead and bite that bullet and go on. Yep, and unfortunately, the only way you know that you need to do that is you didn't do that before. <laughs> At least that's the case for us. That man, I wish you would have just done that years ago. And I, I know even some of the projects that that my dad had uh, in his mind, uh, we we got to complete after he was gone. And we we just think about that, man. Why didn't Dad do all that stuff at one time? Well, it. It costs money. It's it definitely takes a lot of effort, and and certainly we learn things throughout the years. Uh, talking to Scott down in Kentucky, who's got a planter tore apart and uh, working on improving things on the farm and starting from the ground up. Scott, thank you so much. We really appreciate having you on. All right, thank you for having me. You all have a great day. You bet you too. 
Let's head down to Texas. We got Dan on with us right now with with some questions. How you doing, Dan? I'm doing fine. How you guys doing? We're doing well. We're doing well. Talking about uh, building up new farm ground, and and sounds like you got some soils questions. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I've got a customer guy I work with that's picked up some new ground, and and uh, we've been doing a lot of uh, VRT work on two and a half acre grids, and I've discussed possibly maybe doing some bear stuff or should we stay on this two and a half acre grid and i was just wondering what y'all's opinion was well the varus can only do so much for us so we're talking about electrical conductivity here and so we can get more and and i would say very precise maps when it comes to things like soil texture organic matter soil ph stuff like that yep i mean it's not going to be perfect but it is going to find even the areas in those two and a half acre grids where hey we've got some variability there so that part's good so if let's say that all i was interested in is i just want a lime and i want to make sure i'm putting my lime in the right spots uh, great. I think that's the way to go. But the problem is with the Varus cart, we can't tell what's my level of zinc? What's my level of copper? What's my level of phosphorus and potassium? And some of these other things that we really desperately need. So I, I, I know you're probably not going to like this answer because it's more costly. <laughs> but honestly, we, we kind of like both. So if let's say I, I did my two and a half acre grids, I would do that first for sure. If, if it's me and I mean, you can do what you want. I mean, every farmer has their own idea about things. I've learned that over the years, but I, I, I would do the two and a half acre grids or like on our farm, we'll do at least one time, one acre grid. So we really find variability. But then if we still see, oh, wow, in the same field, well, just like Caleb earlier, he was saying he had, I think 5.1 all the way to eight pH in the same field. I've had the same thing. Well, when I have fields that are that variable, that's where that varus cart would be pretty nice. So I can really dial that uh, that liming application in. We've had it before where we've put lime in the wrong places. And I'll just tell you that didn't pay at all. That cost us a whole bunch of money. So I'm trying to avoid those mistakes that I've made in the past. So anyway, uh, long story, but that's that that's our general opinion on the varus cart. Very powerful tool. It's just it's a little bit different than the normal soil test will run. All right. Okay. Tell me what I need to hear. All right. Thanks very much. You bet. Thanks, Dan. Have a good day. Yep, you too. Yeah, I would say there are a lot of new technologies that are coming out of the marketplace, and we get asked about these things all the time, um, where you can go across the field and, oh, I can sense my nitrogen level or whatever. If we can prove those things out, I mean, that's great. But at the end of the day, we still want to have complete soil analysis because, I, I literally was just writing something um, for an article where it's this soil test versus yield thing that we've been doing in our farm for the last five years. Oh, my goodness, is that powerful information. I got to have that because what we're finding is it's not just NP and K. It's everything from even ratios like that phosphorus to zinc ratio, phosphorus to copper, um, even magnesium to potassium ratio on our farm. Oh my goodness, that has been a really big deal. I didn't realize that was a big deal until we started getting all this data, matching it all up, and going, wow, this is data from our own farm. This isn't three strip trials done two states away. This is off our own farm. And almost every farmer out there already has yield information, 
let's start matching up the soil test information to the yields and let's see what's paying on your farm and what's paying on mine. Because now, I mean, everybody's complaining about high price fertilizer. And thankfully, fertilizer prices are down a little bit from last year, at least for most fertilizer products. But still, I mean, everything in this day and age is expensive if it's not making you money. I don't think fertilizer is very expensive at all if it's making me money. But that's the question. We got to figure out, okay, what are the right levels? And that's where I come back to, I got to have that complete soil test information. So then I really know, and I got to match that up with yields. So anyway, uh, <laughs> that's one of the biggest things for me. When we talk about building up new ground, changing things on the farm, I want my own data and I want to spend my dollars as wisely as I can. We'll get back to the phone lines right after this. The weeds are coming! The weeds are coming! Hey! Paul Revere! This whole midnight ride thing is getting real... But HPPD-resistant weeds are coming! We've got Verdict Herbicide! Verdict Herbicide? Yeah! It's a non-HPPD corn pre-herbicide from BASF. Well, well then. Get some sleep. Yeah, will do. The weeds are coming! Switch to Verdict Herbicide! Always read and follow label directions! How can you make the most profit ever on your soybean crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. We'll give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Wednesday, January 25th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising soybeans more lucrative and more fun, you won't want to miss this free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long foliar disease protection from the start. Active ingredient flutriafol moves through your corn plants as they grow for inside-out protection from roots to tassel. Growers and retailers are sharing their Zyway brand fungicide success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. Get more durability for less downtime with Soil Warrior Strip Tillage from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and reduce passes and fuel usage. Now that's ROI. Learn more about ETS at SoilWarrior.com. With superior materials, craftsmanship, and best-in-class warranty, a Morton machine storage or workshop is built to stand the test of time. To learn how we can help you expand your farm operation, visit MortonBuildings.com. It doesn't matter what you grow, how much you grow, or where you grow it. Commodity Classic is the place to discover what's next in agriculture. Join us in Orlando for America's largest farmer-led, farmer-focused educational and agricultural experience. Preparing for the next generation. March 9th through 11th, 2023. Discover more at commodityclassic.com. At Corteva AgriScience, we want to keep farms healthy and productive, today and tomorrow. That's why we're investing in a robust pipeline of naturally derived biologicals. Meet Nutrition and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer. It's a sustainable nitrogen fixation product that facilitates crop growth and optimizes yield potential. With the fluctuation in fertilizer prices, Nutrition N is a reliable solution. It can be used alongside your traditional nitrogen program to enhance your ROI this year. For more information, visit Corteva.us. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD, and you can email us, radio at agphd.com. We're talking about building up new farm ground, but of course, we're always taking your agronomic questions as well. Let's head out to Ohio. we got Mark on with us right now. How's it going, Mark? That's great. How are you today? Well, it's uh, raining and yeah. possibly going to turn to ice or snow. So, I don't know. It's pretty good inside right now, I'd say. <laughs> there you go. It's starting to rain here. So, we've had plenty at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what you, what you got working on in the shop? What are you working on for farm planning for next year? You got some big changes? Well, honestly, right now we're out tiling farms today, uh, trying to get some drainage put in to be ready for next year or this later this year. And uh, oh, in the shop, just that regular maintenance, uh, got a couple excavators in there and rolling tractors through to get them ready for the uh, spring season. So it's a busy time all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. I, I like the idea of tiling. I know we get some tiling done on some newer ground that, that we picked up recently, and uh, that that's going to be a big deal going forward. I know that. Is that normally one of the first things you've got to fix when you pick up a new piece of ground? Generally around here, yes, it is. So, you know, if we're, uh, if we're picking up a new piece of ground, I consider it like speed dating. You're trying to gain as much information as you can, as fast as you can, and, and try to make that first year not too much of a too steep of a learning curve. So whether it's getting a topographic map done of the farm or just getting some great Google Earth imagery or something, you know, we're trying to figure out the goods and the bads of the farm right away. And uh, if the conditions, you know, financially and the, the length of term with the agreement can support putting tile in, Obviously, as you know, it's one of the greatest returns on investment. And but figuring out your drainage needs up front and early uh, only helps with that. Maybe you put in some surface drainage or something short term until you can get by your first year. And but you got to do it around here. You have to do it. Yeah, we're we're kind of in the same boat. Hey, one thing I was thinking about too, as we were discussing this topic for today, is okay if we pick up a piece of ground that sits right next to another field that we already farm, we got a pretty good idea of what the weed pressure is like out there. Uh, have you ever gotten yourself into one of those messes where, man, I don't know if anybody ever controlled the weed on this field? Well, you know, thankfully it was right next to something we already have. Uh, you know, we probably have kept an eye on it and kind of know what's there. But yes, we have found resistance issues in farms. You know, we picked up a couple farms that I swear they only use Roundup or glyphosate year after year after year, and that was their total program. And uh, wow, you you get kicked in the uh, kicked in the head a couple times as you're trying to figure that out and not make, waste time and money and uh, lose a crop over it. So, you know, it's just a function of uh, you know scout early, try to do the best you can and, and provide maybe some uh, different type of herbicide that somebody's not used in the past just to avoid those problems. When you think about the fertility issues, I know sometimes we've picked up some ground and Brian likes to give me a hard time that I've probably picked up the absolute worst ground on our farm. The fertility was terrible. Well, I, I started off with banding. I thought, you know, I can't afford to fix it all in one shot, but I'm going to band to make sure I can feed the crop, at least for this first year. Do you do anything different on the ground or, or if you're a broadcast guy, you just broadcast anyway? You know, I, we've not banned it before, so that that's the honest answer there. But, you know, I think the first the first key is let's get some soil testing done. Even if you just pick it up in early January, if you can get out there and get some soil testing pulled, you know, even if it's not the greatest of soil tests, at least helps drive your decision-making. And you have to figure out, you know, what can I do differently? Maybe it's some foliar applications. Uh, you know, maybe it is, a, you know, find somebody with a banding unit to get it done. Uh, and, you know, and be reasonable with what your yield expectations are. 
I mean, quite honestly, maybe it's a lime issue. Maybe your best money spent is getting some lime on in the spring and, uh, you know, and correcting some, you know, some pH levels. Yeah, great, great words of advice. We're talking with Mark over in Ohio. And uh, a couple things that I've just jotted down here. Learn as quickly as you can. Gather as much info as you can on that ground so you can try to speed your learning curve up. And and then be realistic with yield expectations that, yeah, you're not going to have a 300-bushel cornfield immediately. It might take a little bit of time, so you start working down that path. Uh, Mark, uh, good luck on the tiling. Glad to hear you're still out there going at it and, and hope to talk to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You bet. Yeah, a lot of things to think about building up new ground. And and so many of the guests that we had on today were talking about long-term things that, you know what, we got to get tiling in now. It'll be good for the next 50 years. Uh, we, we've got to build up certain fertility levels to, to get us to where we can have some stable crop. Um, you know, lot, lots of things there. Uh, I know Brett had talked about using manure, that that was a, an inexpensive way for him to build fertility. So he wanted to get soil tests and then see, hey, will manure fill the bill here on some of this stuff? Uh, lots of good tips. If you got others you'd like to share, our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. And you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. Uh, Brandon, I want to jump back into the, the mailbag questions here. And I get a stack of questions about bt corn and do you want me to read all of these or or where do you want me no, to start just, well start kind of one at a time all right uh adam adam believes that the bt oh, pro- but, so let, let's preface this by saying we were talking about bt corn on ag phd tv and also about how when you get the covid shot from pfizer or moderna they have mRNA technology, messenger RNA technology that tells the body to make a protein it wouldn't normally make that then kills the COVID. And just the similarity that these are both GMO products uh, between that and BT corn. Think about BT corn. What does it do? It makes a protein it wouldn't normally make, and that protein is what kills the target insect. So anyway, go ahead. All right. Adam says, the protein given to people that is having them tip over and sent to their maker and he also says, I'm going to have a Come lodging on. problem with That's my not corn. True. It's going to tip over in the field dead. And, Come on. Come on. Uh, L&L says. I mean, but there's no biotech that product that's ever killed anyone in the history of the world. Why well, would a farmer so. plant something that's going to fall over in Come the field? Come yeah, uh, you know, no. Ivan's got something that, that I hear this one a lot. He said, if it kills insects, what will it actually do to us? Well, look, it's just like anything else. Oh, okay, so my daughter has a dog. Well, if the dog eats chocolate, it supposedly will die. I mean, we're not going to test that theory out, but supposedly the dog will die. Well, I enjoy chocolate. My daughter enjoys chocolate, but the dog can't eat chocolate. So to say that one species of organism will die, and so that means that another species will die, no way. That's not true. So there, and, and also part of the reason, like for BT, the reason why the bug dies is it's got an alkaline digestive system. We have an acid digestive system, so we can digest that kind of protein. That's why BT corn is perfectly safe. And that protein is perfectly safe for humans and for livestock. And it kills certain target insects very safely. And by the way, that BT is also labeled in organic production. Dipel. Look up Dipel sometime. Same kind of BT we're talking about. 
All right, uh, V has got a bunch of claims here that I, I, I've never heard before. So this is new information to me. But basically about monarch butterflies, and I think this is kind of interesting. Monarch butterflies—that uh, was something that oh boy, we can't use Roundup because that will kill milkweeds, and that'll hurt monarchs. And now uh, V thinks that BT corn is somehow going to hurt monarch butterflies with the pollen from BT corn and this this kind of stuff. So. I, I'm not sure where this is coming from. Yep. You have to, I, yeah, if you want to, if you want to quote but, studies, send us links to the studies so we can actually read them because we would. Yeah. But here's the other thing. A lot of people get concerned about us as farmers killing weeds. Well, look, there are some weeds that are noxious weeds that we are required to kill. And if we don't kill them, the state or the county or the township can come in and kill those weeds and on, send us the on bill. private land. Right. On private land. Now, I don't believe that common milkweed is one of those but i'm just saying it's a weed out in our fields and so we want to get it under control and it, 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 since it's not a noxious weed you can go produce that so anyone listening you can go buy some land and you can raise nothing but common milkweed if you want to support the monarch butterfly population that's your prerogative you can yeah, do that we see, we in see the united states we see yes, people that do absolutely they, they plant milkweeds in, in their, their landscaping or yep. around their yard and that's Hey, that's totally fine. That's your choice. Yep. Hey, uh, Glenn has a question. He said, so a lot of times I've heard that if bugs are feeding on a crop, maybe the crop is sick, it's missing a nutrient or something like that. Uh, maybe. Uh, do you see anything like that, that we're using BT now to treat the symptoms of, of a problem but no. not treating the problem? Nope. Nope. I, no, we really don't. Uh, but I would say this. We talk fertility soil fertility all the time and good drainage and if you have good drainage and fantastic fertility your crop's going to be more tolerant but it could still suffer drastically from some of these bugs that the bt targets stay tuned be right back think ahead to planting schedule your planter inspection with the experts at cnb make sure your equipment is in top shape and ready for the field this spring cnb is your local john deere dealer offering expert service and customer commitment learn more or schedule your appointment online today at deerequipment.com Get your planter ready for spring with Germinator Closing Wheels from Farm Shop MFG. And now when you buy 12 rows or more, get free shipping or 20% off an end zone bin system. Offer good while supplies last, so order yours today at farmshopmfg.com. It changes everything. So says Indiana corn grower Nathan Davis about innovative Zyway LFR fungicide from FMC. Zyway brand fungicides are the first and only at-plant corn fungicides to provide unprecedented, season-long, inside-out foliar disease protection. Discover more grower and retailer success stories at zyway.ag.fmc.com. Always read and follow all label directions. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Thursday, January 26th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, and the ways to make your crop more resistant to stress like drought and disease. We'll be covering all of this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. The value of your farm building is in its ability to protect what's stored inside. That's why Morton Buildings ensures that every machine storage and insulated workshop we build will provide superior strength and durability. As a 100% employee-owned company, we're all committed to being the industry leader with a focus on innovation, service, quality, and most importantly, customer satisfaction. 
To get started on your next project, please visit MortonBuildings.com. It takes balance to be successful in farming because what you get out of it depends on what you put in. And Corteva AgriScience gets that. Introducing Nutricia and Nutrient Efficiency Optimizer, a biological product that naturally captures nitrogen from the air. It's a sustainable way to add balance to your traditional nitrogen methods and maximize your yield potential. Embrace a balanced approach to nitrogen management this season by visiting Corteva.us. It's planting season. Race against the clock season. Mistakes can't happen season. And no one helps you face it all like John Deere. Putting technology in your hands that gets you in and out of the field faster. That makes your spacing and depth more accurate. And that gives you the confidence that this season will be your best season. See what you have to gain at johndeere.com slash gain ground. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today and taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. This one in from Dan. He said, guys, I want to ask you a little about ammonium sulfate. I've got a farm where, I'll be honest, I've gone overboard on calcium. Since the attached soil test was taken, I've applied two yards per acre, approximately 1,500 pounds of compost, and uh, about the same of chicken litter. Now, my plan was to apply 400 pounds of ammonium sulfate, roughly half of my total N, pre-plant, to help bring the pH down by removing excess calcium, as well as providing a free release of nitrogen later in the growing season. The patterns, or the field's pattern tiled, 40-foot centers. Uh, I was also planning to use potassium thiosulfate in my 2x2 and Y-drop applications in season. Is there any danger applying that many pounds of AMS in one shot pre-plant? No. My retailer is suggesting I split it and do a couple hundred pounds early, a couple hundred pounds around V8. You can. Um, I mean, if you want to put 400 out there early, you can. Oh, I, I just don't one, know if One it, more it, thing here, Brian. He said, ahead. here's the other problem. This field has a million point rows, and we would knock down a lot of corn with in-season applications. Yeah, so that kind of answers that question right there. I'll I'll bet you this though. So we're always big on hey let's try a couple different things out and let's prove it out in the field. So I, I mean I like your idea of 400 pounds of AMS. Um, in my experience though, it hasn't moved the needle uh, that much. So I, I, a lot of people hear us talk about calcium and magnesium and they get super worried about that. Quite frankly, that's at the bottom of my list um, in terms of. Oh, I, I, I want to look at N, P, K, sulfur, zinc, all these other things. I want to look at all that stuff first, and then I'm going to focus on the calcium, magnesium. You can do it however you want. So my suggestion for you would be this. If I was going to try something, you're going to try this 400 pounds of AMS. On my side of the field, same field, I just, I'd just i run mainly urea or liquid 28% on for most of it, and I do... 100 or 150 pounds of AMS. So I get enough out there for my sulfur needs. And then I take the rest of those dollars that I spent and I'd put more toward potassium especially and probably a little more toward phosphorus. So when I look at your ground, number one yield limiting factor to me, lack of K. Number two, phosphorus. Number three, mm, 
I, I mean, at first glance, I might say, well, boron or zinc or copper, something boron or copper, probably. Uh, but other uh, after sulfur. So sorry, it's K then phosphorus then sulfur. In my opinion, uh, then it might be a copper boron kind of thing, and then last would probably be the fact that your calcium is just over eighty percent. That's my opinion, and so that's where I would just say, you know, if you want to try something, I'd, I'd at least try that on a little bit, and and go from there. So if it was my farm, that's what I would do rather than 400 pounds of AMS, but you very well might be right. All right. Thanks for the question. Um, get this one in from Gary down in Nebraska. He said, we've been grid sampling for many years, and three years ago we went from surface broadcasting our PNK sulfur and zinc. We switched to banding it four to six inches deep. Now, our bands, unfortunately, are not in repeatable locations due to rolling terrain and terraced fields. What method would you recommend to get an accurate soil sample? I don't want to hit the band at each location or miss the band in every location. Tell, tell, Currently, we've made a board with 10 holes spaced three inches apart. We lay that down perpendicular to the rows. Hmm. Our thought is we can get a representative sample that way. Interesting. Uh, tell me the nutrients again. They banned? Uh, PK, sulfur, and zinc. Okay, the sulfur doesn't matter. The P, the K, and the zinc... Um, the other question that I'd say, have, Gary, is are you doing a build program right. or are you putting on with that crop? I seriously doubt he was on a build program with that. So I'll bet you that. And, okay, we were just talking about this with the last question that came in. Try a couple things out. So when we first started strip tilling 15, 18 years ago, whatever it was, we had the same question. So we tested it out. We tested in between the row. We tested in the row. Our results were the same. As long as we were just putting on crop removal, results were the same, so it shouldn't matter. Where it does matter is if, let's say, like to Darren's point, you're on a build program where you said, okay, I only need, I'm just throwing this number out there, 200 pounds of PNK, but I'm going to put on 500, so I really build things up. Okay, well, in that case, then yes, it would be nice to know what's in that band. But like I, I say, I'm guessing you probably weren't doing that, so random sampling should be fine. All right, uh, get comments here from Chris and from Mike uh, about comparing the BT corn and other GMOs to, to, BT to vaccines. Okay. Yep. Uh, one Mike says doesn't think that has any correlation whatsoever. And what do you mean? Chris they both says, create a protein. Chris says that this the is, body this is or the excellent plant thing and should be shared on larger social pro right. platforms. So right. two completely different uh, responses. Yeah. There. Well, the BT. Well, BT corn. And the COVID vaccine from Moderna and Pfizer, not the one from Johnson & Johnson, but the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines are very similar in technology to BT corn. Okay, So in both cases, the body or the plant creates a protein it wouldn't normally create, and that's what kills the target. And in both cases, they are considered GMO and biotechnology. And in both cases, um, if you go over to Europe, for example, they had a ban on GMOs. They had to change that ban because of the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, and they wanted it. They understood how great that technology was. That's proven now to be the best vaccine. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, and I don't want to get into any debate on politics or anything else. Our job here is agronomy. But when people want to complain about biotech and then at the same time they say, well, everybody should get a COVID shot, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. 
you can't complain about biotech and then tell everybody you got to get a COVID shot that is biotech. It's like, I mean, they're the same basic technology. Okay. Thanks for the feedback, guys. Thanks for thanks for listening to our stuff. I get this from Beatriz, and uh, who asks, "Is there any way to accurately determine the presence of copper in soil without using chemicals or advanced machinery?" <laughs> uh, I don't know what that would be, and by chemicals, we're talking about just an extraction method with a soil test. If you're talking uh, so, about what you're going to do in the field, just pull a sample, send it into the lab. And they'll tell you how much copper's in there. Right. If you're looking but for another to, way, to her point, it's going to require a chemical reaction. The extraction method—I don't know exactly what they use to pull the copper out and Some get the sort number. Of acid. Right. But so, if you want to call that a chemical, then yeah, I don't know how you how you soil test without the use of any what could be considered chemicals. But it's just a soil test, and you would not touch it. It'd be in another state, maybe even. So there's nothing to get too worried about. Just like Darren said, pull a soil sample, send it in. They'll tell you. All right. Thanks for the question. Uh, get this one in from Mark. And uh, Mark is, uh, sounds like, down in southeast Oklahoma. i wondering, okay, the soils lab I use does not have a cation exchange capacity or a hydrogen value. I'm wondering, can I do the math and just subtract from 100% of my base saturation numbers to get that? Uh, and what about the, the CEC? Should I just try to calculate that? Will that be as accurate as if they would give me that number on the lab? Well, you can calculate cation exchange capacity, and that should get you pretty close. And as far as hydrogen, we were talking about this at our soils clinic the other day. Roughly, you're at about 10% hydrogen when you're at about 6.3 soil pH roughly. So, and you're at about 2% on hydrogen, roughly at a 6.8 pH. So if you want to extrapolate the data and then make an educated guess as to how much hydrogen is there, you can. Otherwise, I'd send my sample to another lab or just talk to this lab and say, look, I need this information. Can you get this for me? Maybe they can do it. Just have to ask. All right, uh, get this one in from Kurt. Oh, wait, no, we don't have enough time for that one. He's got to get some long soil sample questions. Um, got this one in from Brandon. Just curious, uh, do you still have the Ag PhD soil test app? If so, does it still send samples to Midwest Labs? So Ag PhD soils. Rate maps? Yes, Ag PhD soils. And yes, so the samples that go to Midwest Labs, you can do variable rate maps off that. Yeah, we've used that for years. We're working on some other things that we may have in the future here. But uh, I, I just say... Getting a good soil test is so important, whether we're talking about our topic today, which is building up new farm ground, or if it's ground you've had for 50 years, you need to see where your levels are at, and then you can make a determination in terms of where's the best dollar, where should I best invest my fertilizer dollars, so hopefully you can make the most money on your farm, have the best yield, and leave your ground in the best shape for the next generation. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.